As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... To Wild and Crazy Guys! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. For the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you after our first open practice from Bears OTAs. Football in shorts. Yes. It's glorious. Breeze and a 60 degree day. Wish we had a little more sunshine. Should not have worn shorts. Yeah, come on. You're better than that. Matt Eberflus wore shorts. T-shirt and shorts the entire day. He's out there coaching. That's different. <laughs> he can still get cold. You should know by now that like that specific location of Hallis Hall, I think is the coldest spot in the greater Chicagoland area. Because it's wide open. It's windy. Like wh- wherever, whatever the temperature is, I always assume it's at least five degrees colder there. When I left my house in Chicago, I thought it was around 67 degrees. Yeah. Felt warm, but by the time I got up there, it felt different. Yeah, <laughs> it, felt it, different. Felt, it felt like 61 with a stiff <laughs> breeze, and then when the sun would go behind the clouds, it's like being at Wrigley Field, you know, one of those day games along the lakefront where, like, if you're in the sun, it feels like summer. If you're in the shade, it feels like winter. It's a great analogy. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like the, the north end zone, I believe, in Soldier Field gets more sun than the south, correct? Yes. Yeah. But the Wrigley one is spot on. Yeah, because Wrigley, the, you, the, they'll scam you into buying some sweatshirts real quick <laughs> if you wear the wrong thing and you're sitting in the shade. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm still not buying that Cubs sweatshirt, though. 
Welcome into the show. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns here with you. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you are subscribed, hitting that like button if you're watching on YouTube, notifications so you know when the shows are popping up. We did um, delay this just a little bit to Wednesday morning. I think this might actually be our schedule here the next few weeks with OTAs is kind of come back and do this Wednesday morning. Um, or at least late Thursday, because we want to make sure we're doing this after what we see at Hallis Hall. And typically, we would record on a Tuesday morning or afternoon. doesn't really make sense to do that before practice. So I think we're going to kind of be on the schedule for the next few weeks. Um, so we have things to talk about from Hallis Hall yesterday. We got a chance to talk to Matt Eberflus, Lucas Patrick, who I'd like to nominate for the Good Guy Award already. <laughs> We know what uh, that means. He's going to be out of here. Yeah. Usually how it works. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and then who won it last year? I'm already blanking. Who did win it? Oh, Robert Quinn. Oh, he's still here. He's still here. He's still here. I, I, I think he... Uh, Not at OTAs, is, but still on the team. Yeah, still present on the roster. He's the first, uh, I believe. Jalen Johnson also talked, and our guy, Trevor Simeon. Kevin's our guy. guy. Kevin's well, he's guy. Kevin the guy. The fish man's guy. Trevor Simeon. Um, all right. What, I mean, where do you want to start? Where would you? Oh, we got to start with Jalen Johnson for a little bit, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just the... Well, he's always been thoughtful. He's always been curious. I've always enjoyed his interactions with the media. But for me, it starts with how a question posed to Matt Eberflus about Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon on the prospect of developing and learning the system together and what that could be like turned into outright glorious praise of Kyler Gordon. Did it not? You want me to read it? Yeah, no, it did. It did. Yeah. So you think, well, go ahead, read the quote. Okay, let me read this quote. Hold on, pull it up. I had it up. I think you coach them. They're coaching those guys. They play the same position. Kyler's been lighting it up the last two days. And you literally saw Matt Eberflus light up when he said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll just tell you that. I'm continuing with the quote. The guy's got tremendous ball skills. He's been playing the defense the right way and and we're very impressed with him. I'll just tell you that. And he's doing a good good job the first two days. We'll see where it goes. He's young. He's got a lot to learn. But we're excited about where he is with his ball hawking skills. No question. Earlier, literally minutes earlier, this is what he said about Jalen Johnson. Yeah, so Jalen, you know, a young player. He's still a work in progress. He's got some things he's got to work on, just like all the rest of these guys that are second and third year players. They've all got work on stuff. They've all got to work on stuff. Just uh, just keeping working. We'll see where it goes. How could that not feel more different in terms of two players expected to start in the secondary this year? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I got to be honest. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't. I even, think I think it was a message sent. Okay, I, I didn't notice it to be honest. Like, like I didn't notice any thing that was off hearing those two answers in the room. Um, 
I think I think Kyler Gordon just had a really good day at practice, and he was acknowledging he an, that he made an interception. Um, we saw that. I also think I don't know if we're dissecting this too much, but I almost feel like this would be more significant if the Jalen Johnson comment came after the Kyler Gordon. Okay. Okay. You know, because because to me the Jalen Johnson stuff almost just sounds like coach speak, and then. He got asked about Kyler Gordon, and Kyler Gordon had a great day, and they're very excited about the guy that they just drafted, and it just kind of came out emotionally. So let me give you more context. All right. Forget what he said about Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney. You know there's been praise about that. Even Roquan Smith made Eberflus' praise. But let me give you this quote from our breakfast with Matt Eberflus about David Montgomery, a guy he has been yet to coach at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, this is the quote, I quote. <laughs> yeah, talk about motor and mean, serious, a pro, worker. And yeah, he's going to be exciting to work with. And he's going to fit right in. Okay. Does any of this stem from Jalen Johnson not being at that mini camp last month? Yes, that's, that's a good example. I think, again, message being sent by Matt Eberflus about where Jalen Johnson is at and where he wants him to be at with his team. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I guess something to watch going forward. I did find it interesting. The back and forth with Jason Leisure over the questioning over how bad the secondary was last year was a little bizarre. And... I mean, the secondary was bad. Yeah, but he wasn't... Jalen Johnson wasn't bad himself. But I, it, J- Jason pointed that out in the question. Yes, yes. He said, you yes. had a good year. Secondary did not. How do you handle that internally? I'm looking and at then the he stats. wanted specific stats on how bad they were. You know, the funny thing is, though, if you look at... Even Jalen Johnson's pass coverage stats. He allowed 59.7% of his passes thrown in his direction to be completed against him. So that's 72 targets, 43 completions, one interception. Average completion, 13.1. Average passer rating at him last year, 101.9. Yeah. So still not... So, like the head coach good. said, there's yeah, room for yeah. improvement. Yeah. I think sometimes... It, I've always found... like I thought that was a good interaction, to be honest with you. Truthfully. Because you, you see, they, they weren't good in touchdowns allowed. They weren't good in average pass rating against. But as a, as a team, I think they were third in passing yards allowed. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Third in passing yards allowed. They, we all know they finished with a top 10 defense, just in terms of some stats. But yes, they could be better. A lot of mm-hmm. mental breakdowns, a lot of busted coverages back there. Um, I just find he's in a curious spot, Jalen Johnson. And it being his third year, you'd like a young player in his 20s like that to to be solidified as a starter. But I just think the way that the Bears are discussing him publicly, that only feels different than Kyler Gordon now. But other young players currently on the roster, David Montgomery, Roquan Smith, Darnell Mooney, and especially Justin Fields. Well, there must be a reason for it. 
you know, and there was the the incident last year where he was fined for being late. But otherwise, I mean, to me, he's unquestionably the top corner on the team. I don't think he's in danger of not being a starter. Let me ask you, is he the top corner in the eyes of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, though? We're we're calling him the top corner because he is the most experienced and he started the past couple years. But the Bears just spent the 39th pick on a kid from Washington who has so special you think they did that? You think they did that because they doubt Jalen Johnson? No, I didn't. I think, it was I think the they did that because they literally didn't have another corner on the team. Best player on their board. But I, my question is, I think, do you think, who do you think they view as the best corner on the roster as? Right now, I would say Jalen Johnson. You think so? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can give that to a rookie who's never stepped I don't know. on the field. Yeah. They didn't draft them, though. I don't know. Oh, it's a weird description to have, but just based on what we're, we're reading the tea leaves here, but I, I think the comments are strong enough. You know what it felt like to me? Do you remember last year when Matt Nagy was asked about the leadership abilities of Roquan Smith and how he stepped forward with that and you know what he's become? And he gave this long-winded answer about how he loves the guys you know just proud of how he's developed into who he is as a player on and off the field remember that yeah and then yeah. literally the question after that was about Akeem Hicks yeah <laughs> and it was like two sentences about him being good to handle double teams now there was more background to that Akeem Hicks had just fought his coach but his position coach but but, that's but what to your like. point to your point there was something else going on behind yes. the scenes. So, so that's that's what I'm thinking. Like again, message sent by Matt Eberflus. Yeah. With his comments about and, Jalen Johnson. And Roquan Smith had to go through his own growing up, I think. He did. You know, those first couple of years. He was playing well on the field, but there was you know, like a lot of these guys have to go through when they're in the middle of their rookie contracts. There, I say this all the time, like we forget these dudes are like twenty three, twenty four years old. Like I was an idiot when I was twenty three and twenty four, yeah. so you know that you. I was you, very much so an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> you you do. I you, might still be an idiot. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, but you know, the, you, you said it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> That's right. When I give Jalen Johnson a little credit, though, a little bit of credit, I think he accepts his situation. What was the word he used yesterday? Reset. Yeah, he admitted, like, anything that happened with the previous coaching staff doesn't matter. Yes, and he does, he did say that he feels like he has to prove himself. And I think it's very clear that the Bears want him to prove himself. Yeah, let's see it. It, Yeah. So here's the question I have for you again. Because you had the question he refused about leadership. Okay. About how he's watching and analyzing guys on and off the field, looking for his leaders. Everything that just happened with Jalen Johnson yesterday, everything said. Where do you think he fits into that? And what do you think Matt Eberflus is looking for in his position groups for those leaders and then eventually his captains? Yeah, so the question to Eberflus was, you know, is it, are you already looking at the guys who, you know, will become possible captains for you? And have you decided on your captain philosophy? And I even brought, you know, I specifically asked... Will you have, do you know if you'll have weekly captains or season-long captains? I hate weekly captains. I know, I know. I well, think I just said captains, but captains. Yeah, I mean, Eric <laughs> you Clapton. You get the point. 
I like Eric. I, I thought I said Craptons. Oh, Craptons. <laughs> yes. Well, but, that's what weekly captains are, though. Like, come on. Yeah, you could argue that last year's weekly captains were really Craptons. It's just, with all due respect, we should say. But like, yes, it's. Well, we like, did that. Uh, so here, here, here's. I have a I have a new Bear Sings column out this morning on all it's more of a criticism of the philosophy, but go on. Yes. Well, and and what I wrote in there is what I'll say here. My preference is to have season-long captains. I think it's important to have, you know, your leaders defined. I think the downside to that that coaches sometimes get afraid of is if one of those guys, you know, ends up having issues or gets hurt or, you know, screws up. And all of a sudden is or this, you know how how things change throughout the course of a long NFL season. Maybe they're not. You may end up having to like downgrade them, but you can't do that publicly. Or it's like you know. So, and, and that's why I think sometimes they overthink this a little bit too much. Because as Matt Eber, Matt said yesterday, and I liked the rest of his answer as much as I didn't like the fact that he said he didn't know what his philosophy is yet. You know, he said that it kind of sorts itself out. Cream rises to the top, right? It, these guys are going to, it's going to happen naturally when you do it the correct way as a coach, which is you lay out the expectations, the standards for the program, you push them hard throughout the offseason, and then you see who bubbles up to the top as one of your team leaders. And I think that on the best teams, this stuff gets decided by the players, gets voted on by the players, and is nearly unanimous at the end of the day, on who the guys are that are the leaders. But, so that's what I prefer. I can be open to the idea of weekly captains if it's something that is actually earned. And maybe it's the same, I think ideally it's the same, maybe top eight to ten players. Right, that you kind of rotate through because they're constantly becoming those. When you just start having Bruce Irvin be your captain in week 15 because he's been on the team for three weeks and he's and, playing his former team. And he's playing his former team. That's not captainship. That's, hey, we're in See, Seattle. Go do the coin toss. There's, See, that means you have no captains. And that's just, it's a matter of how you want to view it, too. I don't mind rotating coin toss, guys. <laughs> but just acknowledge that the rotating coin toss guys, like you're, you're honoring them for what they did during the practice week or the previous game, or they're playing their former team. Fine. Rotate the coin toss guys. You can send anybody you want out there. I, be, I believe. I don't think there's any rules, right? I mean, I think they could technically send you out there. Yes, that's what I did in high school. I was the coin. I, I was the the one captain. You were a captain. I was the crap. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one dude. Who would go out there? I still remember it was me. I go out there against Julia Catholic. It's like they like sent out their entire offense, and it's just me, this little guy. I think I won that coin toss too. Didn't lose, didn't win the game, but I won that coin toss. Hey, it's all that matters. But you back did, you to did the, your job. Yes, I did. I did. Always defer. Is I think in terms of what you're saying, you know, rising to the top. Naturally, you'll see Justin Fields, David Montgomery. Your Daryl Nell Mooney's, your Roquan Smiths. I'm interested to see who else emerges emerges defensively. 
Can Jaquan Brisker do it right away? I don't know. What about on the O-line? Lucas Patrick seems to be that guy. Did you see during practice they're like yeah. running a drill and he was like a defensive player and he rushed the, the quarterback or the coach back there as the quarterback with a, uh, with a loud scream? I got to be honest, I didn't, I didn't see much in practice. I could, you know. This was them just doing the individual work in front of us. No, I know, I know what you're talking about. But he's rushing the passer, and he lets out a loud scream like, ah! <laughs> Dude keeps it fun, intense. He's personable with the media. Yeah. No, I, he's all, he, he, you can tell he's kind of embraced this role of, you know, being the tone setter that they brought him in to be. Yes. On that old line. So I think he's a he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Um as is this whole captains thing. That's why I asked the question. I mean, it might seem early to ask a question about captains in May, but Man, he was listening to anything, so no, he that's as fired up as I've I think we've seen him get. Except other than maybe Kyler Gordon. Lighting it up. I think he wants permanent captains. He just doesn't know who they are yet. That's my read on the situation. Okay. Yeah, and, and and when I went back and listened to his answer again, it wasn't like... He just kind of vaguely said he hadn't figured out his philosophy yet. Maybe DHC on special teams? Guy's been here forever. I mean, to me, you should typically have at least one offensive captain, defensive captain, special teams captain, but then know who your leaders are in every position, which is something Eberflus hinted at. What that what that reminded me of is the old John Fox approach to leadership council. Yeah. Where that group would meet once a week, representatives from every position room, uh, and then you know your permanent captains as well. I don't think Matt Matt Nagy had similar philosophies, but obviously things went sideways somewhere. Things went sideways with John Fox. It doesn't always work out well, you know. I, I think we're scarred by the, the rotating captains. Because of the Mark Trestman era, where he rotated guys like Jeremiah Ratliff became a captain after he fought his coaching staff and his teammates. <laughs> Remember that? I mean, because nothing says captainship like fighting your teammates. Correct. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think sometimes that's where they go off the. They they they, they kind of try to use the captains as like a carrot. And then they, you know, try to fix problems by being like, oh, now yeah. we're going to shove you in this leadership role. And they don't. And let's not, like, overrate what captains can be. I mean, there's literally hundreds of books written on the subject about the value of them for teams. Yeah. Where Brian Pace pa- uh, passing out the captain class book. That's how I, much these, these teams value it. Yeah, which is why I, I, like, am so surprised that they got to a point where... I mean, that's another perfect... I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's another example of where things just kind of got off the rails with the last regime. Like, you spent a whole... I can't even remember what year that was. Was that when John Fox was still here? Or was that when Matt Nagy got here? The, the whole... The year of the captain class book. I think that was the start of the Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky era. But just so the idea year that... year two for Mitch. That it was that important to, like... And using uh, the rugby team, the All Blacks, to like identify who your core leaders are on the team, and then to have that turn into Bruce Irvin's your captain. <laughs> yeah, oh. you know what I mean. Like 
that, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make any sense. A wrong turn was taken. Here's another thought on that. Sometimes you just don't have them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jay Cutler always had the C on his chest, but was he really ever like the best captain, the best leader for the offense? Right. Serious because, question. No, no, it's a great point because it's the actual C on your jersey doesn't really matter as much as do your teammates actually view you as that guy. And I think you and I would both report and tell everyone that no, Jay Cutler was not that guy. He was not that Drew Brees-like character. You know, you don't have to be liked by everybody. You know, but you better play damn well, like Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Yeah, uh, that's why I always call Aaron Rodgers good Jay Cutler. <laughs> yeah, you could be good Jay Cutler. And make a lot of money and win a lot of MVPs. Um, that was an interesting nugget from Luke Patrick, too, that I hadn't really... The way he laid out Luke Getzey's resume, it's like, oh, he was the wide receivers coach. He turned Devontae Adams into Devontae Adams. Then he moved to the quarterback room, and Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good resume. Yeah, yeah. Can can roll with that. A lot of high expectations being set for Luke Getze. Yeah, but kind of internally. Oh yeah, no, definitely internally. It's all by what everybody's saying. They're setting themselves. They're setting those expectations themselves. Right, and but it seems uh, it seems genuine. Like that, these guys actually believe in them. So we'll see. Uh, it was considered a good hire at the time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, what other observations from practice yesterday from uh, what we could see, see and not see? Um, we saw Justin Fields on the move. We are allowed to talk about that because quarterback's coach Andrew Janako was asked about that. So that's 
encouraging. Not on the move like Wildcat stuff, but like rollouts, play action passes, the launch points have finally changed. So it's not just one day of practice. They could be practicing other things, but we, we saw that. Um, he's throwing to like everybody. Well, he better. He's got to figure out who these guys are. Everybody, yeah. Um, Bayless Jones Jr. caught a nice pass. I, I have that in the notes. Yep. Bayless Jones. Um, um, who, who else? Uh, Isaiah Coulter. I believe caught a touchdown pass. Yep. I, there was a nice, I don't think it was in team drills, but there was a nice throw and over, over the shoulder catch by Treston Ebner. Yeah. He's got some it's early, like, like, I don't know, you guys tell me, you you saw that bad seven on seven segment of practice. Was that the last practice we saw, right? Yeah. Uh, at, at the, the April mini camp. You know, and a lot, a lot got made of that, and it kind of unfortunate because I think all of our, all of us who witnessed that were like, "Shit!" <laughs> like, because it's, Wait, it's like, 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 shit. He, he's looking bad, or like, shit. They no, got like, out of control. No, it's like it. this is gonna get. You're just reporting the facts of the day, and it's gonna get blown out of proportion, and. Honestly, we're gonna take the heat for like, you know what I mean? Like that. That's what at least that's what my reaction was that day. Because it was the bottom line is it was not a good practice. It just wasn't. And and I was trying to make the point that like this is gonna happen in June. It's gonna happen in July. It's gonna happen in August. It's gonna happen throughout the season. You're gonna have bad practices, and it doesn't necessarily have to be blown out of proportion. But when it happens and we're there. We can't lie to you and say it was a good day. But when it is a good day, we're going to tell you. And I thought yesterday was a good day for Justin Fields. It looked from like a good I, day. Yeah, from what <laughs> I could see. Our vantage point was on the opposite field, but I saw some completions down the field. It's tough to tell because obviously the quarterback's never being hit, but a lot of those completions were him on the move. Him on the move. Purposely on the move. Yeah, well, and let's focus on that because this is something I want to talk about. I I just want to – one of the things I'm very, very encouraged about, if we can just set aside the less than impressive offensive depth chart, you know, this crazy idea that they're abandoning Justin Fields, which is another thing I addressed in my Bears Things column today. I like what I'm seeing scheme-wise. All the things we bitched about the last couple of years that we didn't see. Okay. An offense, this is not just stuff we're seeing, but you heard Trevor Simeon raving about this yesterday. Okay. The idea that the wide zone is quarterback friendly. So this is going to be a run first football team, in my opinion. Okay. They're going to lean on the run, they're going to lean on the outside zone. Okay. That creates opportunities for play action, boots. All kinds of quarterback-friendly concepts. And when you hear Trevor Simeon, when he's asked about, hey, you went on a visit to Vegas, you had interest from other teams, why'd you come here? And he raves about the offense and the scheme and how it's very quarterback-friendly and he believes he can play his best football in this scheme, even as the backup quarterback. You got to pay attention to that stuff. Not necessarily in how it applies to Trevor Simeon, but how it applies to Justin Fields. And I just feel like there's too much attention being put on 
the lack of weapons, which is a fair thing. But if you're going to point that out, and you absolutely can, we also need to pay attention to all the changes being made around Justin Fields in terms of the position they're putting him in. And there's no question he was not put in a position to have success last year. And that position, yes, has to do with the weapons around him, but also the coaching and the scheme he's playing in. And I think that we're just... We got to allow our brains to be open to the idea that even with a less than impressive depth chart, the kid can still take a step forward if he's just put in the right scheme. And I believe that if you're able to have success running the football and you're in a an offense that fits him with play action, boots, getting him on the move like you're talking about, Johnsy, he's going to find completions. This is where I, I like we should play some of what Matt Bowen said recently in a previous podcast about Luke Etsy's offense. Yeah, well, because, I would encourage people to go back and find it. It's only a few episodes ago. Because I feel like some listeners are going to hear, oh, run heavy offense, play action, simplifying things for the quarterback. They don't believe in Justin Fields. If you go listen to Matt Bowen, who is a better football mind than me, he would tell you that the Packers offense, with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, had very easy quarterback-friendly concepts, defined throws, defined throws. It's, it's something that Matt Bowen talked about all the time with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's system, defined throws. Matthew Stafford has the same with the Rams, where it's quick Play action, define throw, ball out, mm-hmm. right? The ball is moving. Quick decisions are made. It's okay for quarterbacks to have those. If Aaron Rodgers can have them in his playbook, Justin Fields can too. It has nothing to do with his development. It's called putting your quarterback in a better position to succeed. The special stuff comes after that, like Matt Eberfuss would talk about, um, or Matt Bowen would talk about, those second reaction plays where you need your quarterback to make a play. It's what Matt Eberflus wants. It's what Aaron Rodgers does very well. So when the play break, it's the play after the play. It's where you want to see Justin Fields take certain steps. But there's a lot being put on this scheme right now. It's about having the right expectations outside and internally. But internally, this goes back to everything that Lucas Patrick is saying, everything that Matt Eberflus is saying, everything Ryan Poles is saying, everything even Justin Fields is saying. It's Luke Getze's show. We don't know what it's going to be, but they believe in it right now. Well, May 18th. I like what I'm, yeah, I like what I'm seeing so far is all I'm saying. And I'm trying to, and I, and, I'm, and I want to be clear. When I say that, I'm talking about what I'm seeing schematically and not trying to put too much stock in the results, understanding they're running around there in shorts and no pads. Trying to figure it out. And the receivers aren't getting jammed. Like when I like that Trevor Simeon, he said some nice things about the receivers getting open yesterday and being able to separate, but he also pointed out, all right, but we got to wait and see when they can actually get hit at the line of scrimmage, get rerouted, things like that that you can't really do as a cornerback right now. I couldn't help but have this thought yesterday when they're talking about 
moving Justin Fields. I, th- I think it was Sean Hammond who asked the question to quarterbacks coach Andrew Janaco about getting Justin Fields on the move. Thought about it then. I thought about it previously when Matty Rufus is having breakfast with us at the NFL owners' meetings. We're talking about the system. Like all the things that the Bears should have done to help Mitch Trubisky that they never did. I, I, I just I don't know if you ever had that thought, but mm-hmm. I thought about that, about getting him on the move. You know, having to find throws, <laughs> making things easier on him. Uh, here we are with Justin Fields. It seems like we have a staff that recovering that that gets it quarterback wise and how you could help his help his life be a bit easier on the football field. And that's all I'm saying. Like let's let's pay attention to that. It's year two. Because help him. It's this whole like nonsense narrative that's developing that like they don't believe in Justin Fields and they're just trying to get in position to draft his replacement next year. It's just insane. They're trying to help the kid right now with what they can. And it's not just about the offense. You have you have if you if you run an offense that you can you can successfully have ball control by running the football. You have a defense that should take the ball away more. Okay. And by the way, having a defense that's still ranked 13th in defensive DVOA, despite a shitty secondary last year. And injuries. And you drafted two plug-and-play starters into that secondary to fix that problem. That's not tanking. You would do the opposite of that. If you were really trying to tank, you would not fortify the one weakness in your defense that's probably going to keep you in a bunch of games this year. Okay. If anything, if you wanted to tank, you'd probably try to do the opposite, which is get fields, some weapons, some exciting weapons to start to develop with, and then make sure your defense sucks so you still lose the games. That's not what the Bears are doing. Can I tell so, you my... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just ball control, takeaways, this emphasis on special teams. Those are all things that help your quarterback. You're going to... I see a team that whether they win games or not, Johnsy, I think they're going to win the field position battle a lot. Ryan Poles, I, I think everybody's just so used to GMs and coaches lying. To this point, everything that Ryan Poles has said, at least publicly, has shown confidence and not him being a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like he, he Which is, is refreshing. Like he has said repeatedly about how he how he believes in Justin Fields, and maybe people want more action with words. And I understand that. I understand that. But then he would tell you that everything can't be fixed in a day, and he's not going to press needs to mess up his long term vision for the short term here. Yeah. That's what he's trying to keep in mind. Um, can I tell you my favorite observation from yesterday's OTA? Can I guess? I don't is think he will. Is it serious or not? It is serious. Okay. Favorite observation. Uh, Matt Eberflus standing by himself in the middle of the field watching the offense? No. Actually, when I saw him that, like I think we were next to each other. I'm like, How is he not cold? <laughs> he's in shorts and a t-shirt. But that was my observation of that because I was cold. Mine was when Ryan Poles took the field. He came out a little bit later, 
And at that time, the offensive line... He lined up at left tackle. It was crazy. <laughs> you know what? He might have wanted to. The The offensive line is going through their drills on the left of us. I'm trying to give everybody a visual. So he is crossing the field to the middle where... In the middle of these two fields is his scouting staff. Ian Cunningham and Jeff King are talking, and they're watching the, de- the defense. Their backs are turned to the offensive line. So Ryan Poles is walking across the first field where the offensive line is working essentially in that'd be the north end zone, and he can't stop looking at his offensive line. Like his head's turned. Head's turned. His head's turned. If you're watching me on YouTube, like he is... He is literally walking and watching his offensive line. Then he stops. Doesn't even join his his his, his scouting staff members. Stops and watches a few repetitions, a few reps from his offensive linemen before reconvening with his staff to talk about what's going on in that day. Just felt notable. So when you hear him say how he's drawn to the offensive line, you saw it right there. I saw it right there. You hear him say how he's obsessed with upgrading that offensive line, finding mean, nasty guys that can move. I think you saw it right there because right after that, you saw Lucas Patrick scream. Sign of investment coming? I don't know. I liked it because I think it all starts in the trenches, and that offensive line we know has the overhaul has started, and Ryan Poles isn't done with it. That felt notable to me. Because I don't think Matt Nagy, like he'd pop in every now and then look at the offensive line and then move on. But even Ryan Pace, who would stand with Joey Lane like in the corner of the end zone and whatnot, to see yeah. the GM actually walk across the 50-some yards looking at his offensive line for almost the full duration of it and then stopping and watching it specifically, I like that. I really did. That's not cliche talk. That's real talk. That's interesting. I didn't notice that, so... Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, he'll. If I, I wrote, I think I put this in my bear things too. If there's one area where I'm willing to just be like, dude, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, it's with the O line. Like, I understand people want more. They want bigger names. They want bigger money thrown towards the O line. This guy played offensive line, and like that matters. What was what would you say was the Bears' best position group consistently under Ryan Pace? Defensive line. Guy played D-line. Every year, they had a good defensive line. His Probably his best free agent signing, Akeem Hicks. Numerous value picks in the draft that came in, including even like a Kyrus Tonga last year in the seventh numerous, round. Numerous value signings of free agency guys that would fill in and make plays yeah so you know whatever complaints you have about the last gm you sure as hell can't complain about his defensive lines so i'm i'm willing to sit here and give ryan poles the benefit of the doubt on the o-line that he knows what he's doing in finding guys that fit the scheme play a certain way and as lucas patrick talked about yesterday know what the hell they're doing because when you know what you're doing you can play faster. And just allow your mind to be open to the idea that the line, as currently constructed, granted, I still have major concerns about right guard, but can figure it out. A lot of time to figure out that right guard thing. At least for one year before you 
sign someone or draft someone else. Yeah. All right. Um, we got to get out of here. Good show. Good good practice for the Bears. They're off today. Then they're one, back tomorrow. One OTA in the books. Got another one tomorrow. Ones that we could cover. Ones that we could watch. Uh, another one next week. That we yes. Tuesday. So uh, we'll have uh, another recap for you next week on that. This is the time of year, guys, where we start to kind of slow down a little bit in the summer um, of the podcast. So this will be the only pod this week. Um, of course, for more coverage, check out The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Johns and Kevin have uh, observations and some thoughts on Jalen Johnson from yesterday that you should check out. And, of course, we have you covered at CHGO with shows every single day so you can still get your fix there make sure you subscribe on youtube love the new if you're watching on youtube i love the new background from our producer kent it's got kind of this blue football texture vibe going that is nice yeah it looks good so you check that out on youtube uh or you can listen to wherever you listen to your pods johnsy's rocking the jd sweatshirt today i got the vernon hills cougars going oh, okay i don't know if we're gonna get baseball practicing tonight or i don't know it's raining Got a baseball game uh, to coach in Columbia. You going to be able to get that in? I think so. Probably check in with that uh, opposing coach. All right. You do that. I'm going to go do another show. All right. (laughs) And uh, anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, rate and review the pod. We appreciate the love. We will talk to you next week. See ya. Hey, what's up, Flues?